Kenner Star Wars puzzles from 1977 to 1979. All kids love log. Tis the podcast log. Yes, log. Of the Star Wars Collector's Archive log. Oh. Whenever the Star Wars Collector's Archive publishes a new blog, this podcast will log its contents, interview its writers, and go deeper. It's the Kivecast Blog Log Pod. You, sir, are a mouthful. Relax and just take life easy for a little while. Because it only lasts for a little while. All right, Steve. Well, Steve, uh, we don't have any intros to our blog log pods. No, so, no. So I'm not even going to ask you how you're doing, Steve. It's this urgent. <laughs> We're in extreme urgency right now. <laughs> extreme state of urgency going back to, I don't know, I've, I've spent, uh, you know, I'm, I'm preparing a, a new class. Um, I'm going to be teaching in a couple of weeks uh, about Haiti. And uh, if you could see my desk where I'm recording, there's, I have something like, 30 books here that I've been working through and preparing. Um, and then I've been taking time off just to read and reread Ron and Scott's article on Kenner <laughs> puzzles. Yes. Oh and, man. So good. Yeah. It's really exciting. I think it's kind of like the, the wonder bread, um, the wonder bread blog, log pod. Like we could sort of call it the more than you wanted to know about, uh, about puzzles, but I'm, I'm really excited because this is some really great stuff. And, and I will also say this, Steve, um, at the end of the show, we are going to talk about something kind of day and date. We will be talking about the archive party because we've got a lot of stuff set up. So if you want to hear that bit, well, you know what? Just listen to, to Ron and Scott talk about, uh, talk about, because you know what, Steve, um, we're actually going to eventually going to get into a Star Wars scene that pertains directly to online dating. <laughs> so I'll, I'll let you think about that. What everyone, scene, yeah, everyone, everyone, uh, yeah, think, think hard. <laughs> what scene that is f- featured in a uh, Kenner puzzle is in fact online dating personified. Okay, <laughs> well, with that ridiculous tease in mind, uh, let's get Ron Ron and uh, <laughs> Scott uh, Bradley Bradley uh, on the show. Sound good? Yeah, I'm glad you took the, the Scott thing. I wasn't going to try that, so yeah. good. And, and I got to switch headphones because these headphones... Do you sweat when you do this show, Steve? Um, well, you've been to my house on the record setting <laughs> heat days, so I'm going to answer that you probably know it's yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we haven't even talked about visiting. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh. Well, what do you hear the next podcast about when Sky and Steve hung out in, uh, in, in the hellscape of Los Angeles? But, like, whenever I record the show, like, I get really hot and, like, my, my ears sweat and, like, my butt sweats and I just – anyway. Um, so I, I'm going to change – because I have these, like – over ear headphones and this is not the kind of thing that people sign up for steve so let's get to scott and ron Sounds good. all right well after a uh, typical comedy of errors 15 minutes later we are now joined by ron ra ron ron salvatore how's it going ron pretty good how are you guys we're doing great, um, and also for first time in a long time, uh, Scott stopped yelling. Bradley, how's it going, Scott? 
<laughs> Very well, thanks. When's the last time we had you on? Wow, that was uh, one of the early... Uh, gee, it was, a, was a long time ago. It was one of the uh, the earlier uh, uh, podcasts that you had. I think it's got to be like, like that. Yeah, like first season, Sky. It's got to yeah, be. Yeah. Wow. Well, you, you've been one of our most persistent uh, and consistent uh, fact checkers. So... <laughs> And attention to detail. And today we are all about detail. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, all about puzzles. Um, Steve, do you have a lot of feelings about about puzzles? <laughs> well, like model kits, I don't have the mental fortitude. <laughs> I never did as a kid to just deal with them. Like, but you never yeah, did they're... a puzzle. And I did, but no, it's not like like uh, like Tessa is obsessed with jigsaw puzzles, so she is like she loves them. But if I tried to do one now, I'd still probably have the same challenges I did as a five year old. So <laughs> no, uh, that that's you know that's just it's not my strength. I'll say that. But, I have many I like of the, the same collect- challenges I had as, as when I was a five year old. <laughs> that's that's comforting. That's good. <laughs> now, Ron, when when you wrote this, was there any nostalgia built in for you? I mean, when people read your your article, and of course, we're trying to hype up uh, Ron's articles on puzzles on the Star Wars Collector's Archive, um, and they're just great articles. I read them a couple times today. Um, you definitely paint a picture of what it was like buying one of these. Did did you ever buy these? Do you have memories of these? Um, no, I don't think I ever had a Star Wars puzzle. Certainly not a Kenner one. Um, that's kind of predates, I would have been too young probably to be a, a puzzle age when these came out. I think that the intro to that first article was more of just trying to get into the fact that these were among the first four or five items that would have been available. So I kind of just wanted to present that idea of what it would have been like for someone to see the first Star Wars items in stores. I think that's how that came about. Right. It, it ends up sort of drifting into sort of a languid, uh, you know, far from heaven kind of adultery story, which which is which is good here. But we'll we'll try to send people to listen to it there. I mean, to to read it. <laughs> well, there. remember, uh, it would have been the only Star Wars Kenner products in '77 were the early bird envelope. I want to say plaints. Uh, the board game, the first board game, the 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 mauve and blue puzzles and was dip dots out that early that was about all that would have been available in 77 yeah wow so yeah i want want to get into that because this is actually pretty sneaky here ron in your first paragraph and and you managed to get i had i had a whole thing about gazebos and puzzles but i might actually skip past that um (laughs) it it was a pretty good rant but let's let's stay focused on on the on the kenner items here um, so part of what makes this an interesting article is in the first chap in the first paragraph you include links to two other blogs that you wrote earlier, and I would like to draw attention to those too. I'm kind of surprising you, Ron. This is kind of a this is your life, but this is your previously written blog post, um, oh, and <laughs> and one you wrote in 2014, and that was just called a common misconception. Um, do, do, have you read that one, Steve? Yeah, I mean, I remember when it when he first wrote it. It's been it's been a while, but that was the 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 kind of scarcity of product article. Is that what that one was? Right, and and that's yeah. the real reason to think about puzzles is just to think about what was out there and and why they mattered. Right. Um, so there's just a lot of great things in that article. What do you remember of that, Ron? 
um, that article. I think it was, well, it's been a long-standing annoyance with me that people always sort of blame Kenner for not having toys out, like there was a mm. screw-up or something when it was really, I think they signed the contract in March or April, which obviously is, you know, a month before the movie came out. Uh, so there was basically no way that Kenner could have gotten toys to market in time, so it was certainly not their fault. So I think that was the idea. And at the same time, Charles Lippincott was posting a lot of early Kenner licensing history, so I think I may have tied it into some stuff he was posting. Um, and, I, you know, he, Charles is still out there posting his stuff, so you can go check out his Facebook page. But, uh, yeah, so that was, the, that was the whole common misconception thing, was that Kenner screwed up or dropped the ball when really it was just kind of the luck of the draw that they didn't, I don't think they were offered the license and had a real opportunity of it until the spring of 77. So that was about, that was about, or maybe they've been, I think the discussions probably started somewhere around Toy Fair, which would have been February or something, but they didn't really have the license until spring. Okay. So that, that's the common misconception and you should read more about that. And Ron also quotes pretty extensively from Sand Sweet Screen to Collectible. Um, and to hear more about that, you should listen to our interview with with uh, with Sansweet. Um, and actually, because we have Scott here, and just because, why not? Do you know how that would have worked with Irwin being connected to Kenner? Like, did they automatically get whatever licenses Kenner did, or did they pick and choose? How, how did that? Do you know how that worked, or am I just uh, putting you on the spot? Um, overall, I think because Irwin had that uh, that joint venture with Kenner. Anything that Kenner made, I think it was up to Irwin to decide whether they wanted to carry it or not, based on if there was any, you know, like interest, uh, like pre-sales at uh, like Toy Fair and things like that that occurred earlier in the year. Um, but uh, I think it was more up to, to Irwin. Like this is an example, um, they had the opportunity to release the uh, the Indiana Jones line in Canada. Okay. But um, what they, I, I've asked the question actually of one of the Irwin uh, brothers, and he had mentioned that. Um, there wasn't enough interest in it to garner the line in Canadian packaging, but apparently hmm. they did bring some in, but in American packaging for like some smaller orders. So I think it was basically up to them, uh, huh. depending on whether their clients had shown interest in like uh, like at uh, Toy Fair, and um, they also had a uh, like a showroom that uh, customers could come in and take a look at the line that was coming up and say, oh yeah, I want that, but I don't really have any interest in that because I don't think it's going to sell. Which actually is going to tie pretty nicely into the second part of this thing of this uh, podcast, because yes. there are going to be Canadian puzzles based on the Kenner puzzles, but they will not be made by Irwin. But Steve, we're getting ahead, we're getting ahead of ourselves. I just wanted to, I actually I'm really proud of myself for bringing Scott into the conversation so early. That's, that's some expert hosting here. Uh, eight years yes. in, I'm, I'm starting to learn how yeah, to do it, Steve. You've done this before, haven't you? Um, and then. Also in this uh, in this first paragraph, well, after you talk about uh, some guy trying to bang my mom, um, <laughs> seriously, you guys have to read it. There, there's a, you know a tale of desperation in here. Um, and then you also mentioned that in addition to product being scarce, there was also the board game. And I'd forgotten that you wrote a blog uh, about the board games, even though it was just... Oh, yeah, a... it was a mean-spirited blog about how much I dislike <laughs> board games. Yeah, what is... It? Okay, did you know, Steve, that Ron hates board games? I I, I kind of got the gist of it from, from this, but... <laughs> <laughs> 
What, what happened to you? I don't really hate them. It was just kind of, you need an in, right? You need something to, to make your post interesting. So that was sort of the uh, the angle of that whole thing, which is more or less a joke, but still. It, it is true. I've never played a board game with you, Ron. Um, yeah, let's not kind of avoid that. You know, I, I don't remember as a kid hating board games, but it was definitely... Do you remember, you know, like, oh, let's play a board game. Well, let's not, actually. <laughs> let's go do something <laughs> worthwhile rather than sit here and play this board game. But um, I don't think I ever... The only Star Wars board game that I can recall playing is the the Parker Brothers one with the, the skiff. Right. Um, oh, and I remember the Sarlacc maybe Pit. Playing it. Yeah, I remember maybe playing it once, and that was maybe it. Yeah, I think my friend of mine had it. But other than that, I don't recall... I did have the E.T. board game, but again, I only, like, usually, like, I'd get them for Christmas or something, and we'd play them one time, and then that would be that. And it was like, all right, let's put that in the closet and never look at it again. <laughs> Add it to the but, stack. Uh, <laughs> well, it's it's funny, because I, I, I mean, I really enjoyed this article as well, and Steve and I are working on kind of a super secret project with board games, which we might, oh, wow. we might be able to unveil in the next couple months, Steve, is that right? <laughs> Uh, I guess so. Yeah, we could maybe over the, over the next couple of months. <laughs> yeah, and and if it doesn't happen, it means that I for, I forgot. Um, so we're not going to talk too much about board games here. Um, although uh, it, it is one of my fi- yeah no you know I'm just going to drop that seed. This is blog log. Okay, we don't need to talk about about stupid things that are boring. But I do want to get to my gazebo story, Steve. Can I tell my gazebo story? I think we might might as well let you now because if, okay. if the pressure mounts, it could get worse. <laughs> <laughs> it could. Um, we haven't even told them about the dating app thing, but anyways. Um, so my memory of like I love these puzzles because I have these really bad memories of like being forced to like live in New Hampshire for the summer. So my parents would just ship me off to live with my godmother, who's a very nice old lady, but she was very old. And like she had, you know, no cable. Obviously, this is like the '80s, and she would just watch uh, T.J. Hooker like all day. Um, and she'd have like three or four friends named Grace who'd come over. Um, I would eat my favorite food, which was spam sandwiches with uh, mayonnaise and the jelly from the the can on the on the white bread. Um, and I'd, I there wasn't really much to do except sit in this gazebo, and it was like really hot. And there would be all these bees, and all she had was like these you know uh um jigsaw puzzles and so i would just be miserable and like depressed and like doing these puzzles not because i like them but just because there was something to do and i would always get them stuck to my elbow you know because it was hot and sweaty and and the subjects were always maybe that was the spam goo the spam <laughs> jelly man this podcast really took a turn for the worst <laughs> You haven't been on in a while. It's it's a lot of this. And the thing is, is that the subject of the puzzles was always like, like a rose bush or like a picture of a gazebo. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, those are the puzzles I remember doing. A picture yeah, of your own like, your own summer prison. A decorative style. scene, like a, yeah. a proto Bob Ross scene. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if I had any of these puzzles, I mean any of these puzzles, even the lamest of the Kenner 
puzzles. I would have been the happiest kid. I would have done it, broke it apart, done it, broke it apart over and over it would again. Have, it would have healed your human spirit. That's, it, that's for it sure. It would have. So that's the way I want to get into this. Not just with some creepy guy trying to bang my mom. Not just with hating board games. But with the idea that these puzzles were the only Star Wars thing. And I would argue the only good puzzles ever made. So, so, <laughs> so Ron, what is the story behind the Kenner Jigsaw puzzles? Oh, the story? Um, I don't know the story. I mean, basically, like I mentioned, uh, there were some of the earliest products out, and that, that was because they're made of basically, you know, paper or paper products. Uh, so it's easy to produce. You don't need to make to produce tooling like you do for a plastic toy. Uh, so they were out pretty quick. Uh, you know, the original issues, there was four puzzles, and they were in blue and uh, purple or pink. I called it electric mauve. Because oh, it is kind really of a mauve color. Like yeah. yeah, right. It's a, like a, you know, a Hendrix color, no doubt. It's def they're definitely sort of psychedelic-looking boxes. And obviously, Kenner abandoned those boxes after a while, and they made the puzzles black and silver, just like the rest of the line. So uh, those early puzzles have a, a distinctive look to them. You've made like this great list of all the possible things, of all the yeah. possible variations. So I'm just trying to like figure it out to go methodically. So there were four first ones, and those came in either purple or mauve, electric mauve or blue. And mm -hmm. you don't know if there's any like rarity difference in those or which one of those came out first. That was just the beginning. Oh, you mean, I think the blue and the, the mauve ones came out simultaneously. I don't think there was an earlier one that okay. I'm aware of. But, okay. And I'm, I'm not really aware of any serious variations on those, but those were the earliest ones. They're not... I think the common conception would be that they're rarer, but if you look at eBay, those things are around. You know, I don't think they're hard to find. So even though they're early, I wouldn't say they're scarce or anything like that. I mean, Kenner this is the only Star Wars stuff available. You know, there's three or four products, so I think they pumped those things out. You know, in late '77, uh, and so I don't think they're rare at all. But yeah, after that. In 78, they re-released those in black and silver boxes, and then they released other... Well, no, the, the, those became Series 1, right, in 1978. And then there was also a Series 2 in the same year, and those were four entirely new puzzles, like new pictures. So uh, the line was successful enough where they had actually four series of 140-piece and 500-piece puzzles, all with different pictures, through 1979, and then they also did uh, a couple of thousand-piece puzzles and a couple of 1,500-piece puzzles. So it was—it's an extensive line. I mentioned in the article. I don't—I can't imagine that any other movie has ever had more puzzles you know, tied into it. <laughs> exactly, That's a lot, yeah. you know. I mean, it's like whatever that is—20 or 20, something like 20 that. 20 of them, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So I mean, that's a lot of puzzles. It—it <laughs> it is, and it's what I like about this article is how how precise it is. I mean, it's really just about Kenner. It's really just about the first movie because Kenner didn't make puzzles past uh, um, Star Wars. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's right. I mean, they passed on to, was it Parker? Did yeah. I, I mean, there was the Jedi. They didn't do any Empire puzzles, but then in Jedi, there was those red and silver ones, which, mm -hmm. what company made those? Craftsmasters. Was it? 
Yeah, because Steve, didn't we talk about this last month? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, well, one of them, yeah, we had as our, our unloved, but I think it might have been labeled or distributed through Parker in Canada. Is that right, Scott? Uh, I think there were Craftmaster up here, too. Oh, okay. okay so and, Jedi uh, Craftmasters did them. I'm yeah. sorry, did, did I just get... Uh, I I'm not used to getting things right on this show. This is a really <laughs> weird feeling. I feel really yeah, I can't remember <laughs> off the top of my head. But yeah, that, that sounds right. The Craftmasters did the Jedi puzzles, but there was none for Empire. Um, but there's the no States. Empire puzzles? No. That no, is just weird. I'm aware of... In, in England, it was Waddington's did their own line of puzzles, mm. and it was a completely different line. Right, and that's those are all special, and I think we probably need to spend a lot of time with those because those feature the toys. Yeah, themselves. that's a whole another blog post, you know. But the, 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 that was the English licensee. Right. But yeah, as far as I know, there's no Empire. Maybe there's a foreign one. Duncan would know, but off the top of my head, like there's no American Empire puzzles. It was right. just too dark and gritty, you know. I mean, who wants a <laughs> who wants a puzzle? Of it's that? weird because, like I mentioned in the article, Steve Sansby mentions it from concept to screen to collectible. The, they sold a ton of those things. It was one of the, just in terms of numbers, like they were cheap items, so I'm sure the, the gross take wasn't that huge. But like in numbers, the puzzles were one of the biggest sellers. So, and they sold, I mean, you go on eBay, there's still tons of loose ones. So they sold a ton of them. So it's interesting that there was no Empire puzzle line. It's kind of a weird quirk. Yeah. Well, maybe they were trying to figure out the licensing or. Who knows? But yeah, I think Kenner kind of pulled back, and like the, a lot of the like the poster sets got handed off to Craftmasters um, around that time, and Kenner stopped doing poster sets. So, and they they eventually handed off board games to Parker. So maybe they just Kenner just felt like well, why bother? We can just sell more action figures or something. But and no one else picked it up. But you think someone? I mean, there, there seems to be there would be money to be made there. So I don't know. It's just an oddity that there's no Empire puzzles. It is. And and also, in my research, which was limited, but Kenner didn't make other puzzles. Did they? Uh, I think that's accurate. I mean, I'd have to go back and search through my catalogs, but I don't think Cause, cause, prior to Star Wars, I don't think there was like $6 million man puzzles or anything like they that. They were, but they were, made by Whit, they were made by Whitman. And, yeah, but I mean Kenner ones. Like, right. I don't... I have all those catalogs. I don't recall seeing puzzles. Remember... Star Wars was like a big deal for Kenner, so they made a lot of products that they didn't normally do. Like the plush items were a little bit off of their normal like range, you know. I mean, they did other plush things, but it was a little bit like I don't know if they'd tried ever tried to make a cute thing. I mean, there's munchmates and stuff like that, but plush was a little bit off base. Like they weren't a board game company, so I think that's even disgusting from concept to screen to collectible that they didn't really know about board games and so that was one of the reasons that maybe I don't, I've never played that first Star Wars board game but I've heard it's not that great you know they <laughs> right. did their best but like Parker was the board game expert and Kenner really wasn't but I think they tried to keep all that stuff because they wanted to have that big boost from that movie but then when they realized I'm, I'm speculating but then when they realized that really making all that extra stuff was just taking away from the bread and butter, which was the, you know, the action figures, they kind of scaled back the line. So even like they stopped doing radio controlled stuff and electronic games, like all that stuff they stopped doing after the first few years. And I think puzzles was part of that. I mean, that's one of the reasons I think the early late 70s stuff is probably the most fun to collect, at least for me is because it's just, that's the weirdest 
Kenner stuff. I mean, it, there's just a bunch of weird stuff that they never came back to. I mean, it, like like I said, the remote control toys, the vans, and all that stuff <laughs> right. pretty much went by the wayside. I mean, they even cut out the die cast and the, the large size figures after a while. Right, so. right. Well, well, this has been a lot of talk without actually talking about the puzzles themselves, Steve. <laughs> should we should we pick some highlights here? Yeah, well, I think maybe, you know, series by series, right? Because yeah. okay. basically these are just production photos or publicity photos just right. turned into jigsaw puzzles. <laughs> yeah. And and what's amazing is that you would think that every image that you see is just, oh, of course, that's the standard image. And I mean, like, the, the Chewbacca and Han Solo, okay, that is the Chewbacca and Han Solo image that you've seen a thousand times. But then right. there's others that are just a little bit off and a little bit weird. Um, and then Ron made the mistake of claiming that, like, very few of these were ever used in other Kenner items. And you guys both, like, jumped down his throat today on email. It was really funny. <laughs> Yeah, well, I was I wasn't taking into consideration all the cropping and stuff, but yeah, you're right. That's wrong that the right. Tuscan Raider is the only one because the Luke is clearly it's flipped on the blister card, and then as Scott mentioned, the the R2 it looks like the same as the one on the blister card, but obviously it's been heavily modified. And then the right. R5D4 is zoomed in cropped but yeah i mean i was just i didn't even look i just was like oh the tuscan raiders that's that's the one on the blister card but there's other ones that were used in modified form well well ron the, the key is you have to never ever change it the luke one is a great example of of maybe maybe the most pleasing just because it's just luke looking off into the sunset although it is weird seeing him flipped or yeah looking yeah. the right way because he's just like it's just wrong. Like I, I want to flip them over the other way. Um, and uh, what, what were you, what were you gonna say, Steve? Um, well, yeah. I, I mean, I just with that one being that image that everyone is so in love with in terms of the action figures to, to kind of like this is a, a much more affordable way to get that image than on a twelve back. But yeah, because I bet um, you could get that and, and put it in a acrylic box and it would look like a nice thing, right? No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I think Scott and Ron are the wrong people to talk to about acrylic boxes, Steve. <laughs> well, I, I think Scott mentioned in an email, and, and I think he's right that you know, and also I think it might be mentioned in the quote from the Kenner guy in the article that, uh, weirdly as it may seem, that probably some people don't realize this, but there was just not a lot of good production stills available to licensees at the time, so. Mm -hmm. Like like you mentioned, that Han and Chewbacca pictures everywhere. It shows up on trading cards and, and all that stuff. So Kenner was probably limited in what they had to work with. So everything, these photos show up in other places within the Kenner line, like zoomed and cropped and flipped and airbrushed, and they show up on other stuff. Uh, so, I mean, all the pictures here are probably familiar to Star Wars fans from a variety of contexts. Like, it it's almost funny that like, you think they're they're sitting there and they have this hot licensee and then they have like twenty photos to use. <laughs> you know, yeah. Out. yeah, I, I but, was just looking uh, at the the space battle one and realizing how problematic a puzzle that is. It's a good thing I know I will never try and put that together <laughs> because you have all this yeah. black black space that would just be <laughs> impossible to figure out. It's mostly black space. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 
how much more black could this be? And the answer is none. None is more black. Someone told Steve Sansu when he was doing interviews that that was a screw-up of theirs. You know, that they put that puzzle out because that was one of the few images they had. And then after they did it, someone pointed out that, yeah, how difficult that would be. It's all black, you know. So. Well, that was like when uh, in the 90s when Pizza Hut released the, the pizza boxes that you were supposed to color in. And and they had one that was just uh, Darth Vader next to a yeah. stormtrooper. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm done. <laughs> it's, uh... Yeah. Um, so that's a little, a little too modern. Um, but one thing you didn't mention, uh, Ron, was the spelling of C-3PO. Um, <laughs> they spell it... It's probably <laughs> mentioned on the chart. I didn't get into all those. Yeah, there, a, lo a lot of these on the Canadian ones, too, the, the spelling is wrong. But, you know, <laughs> I, yeah, maybe I didn't mention it on the chart. Well, that's just another amazing thing, that they have this hot property and they know they're going to sell millions. And they're like, how do you spell C-3PO? I don't know. Just spell C-3PO. However you think it is, that'll be good enough. Yeah, um, there's like a space between 3 and P-O. Yeah, that's right. Sound like yeah. Italian or something. 3-P-O. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of mistakes, I think my favorite is the, uh, the image of the victory celebration, which is what? That's the third series? So I was editing and I realized that we didn't properly explain this puzzle before talking about it in depth. So this is a puzzle from this third series of the Kenner Star Wars line. And it's probably the most interesting. It's a 500 piece puzzle set. And it's a scene from the Rebels ceremony and celebration at the end of Star Wars. But it's kind of an unusual photo. Going from right to left, there's C-3PO. Behind him, an unknown rebel. Next to him, another unknown rebel in a hat, R2-D2, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia. Behind her, an unknown rebel, Han Solo, General Dundada, Chewbacca. Behind him, an unknown rebel. And then two other very strange-looking rebels that I've never seen before. Uh, they are described in by uh, Ron as being Space Force Thomas Jefferson and Space Force Steve Jobs which I think are both pretty good descriptions of who these people are. And this is particularly remarkable because there's a sticker on the front that says pictorial content of puzzle inside does not include these two characters. So the space force is not in the puzzle. Okay, now I've described it. Let's hear us talk about uh, it. So we have the, the medal ceremony. That's series three, right? Yeah, that's in the third series from, <laughs> I think, around 79. Yeah, oh, it's so called you... Victory Celebration with an exclamation point. <laughs> right, yeah. So they have all the exclamations like, like the top cards because they just they need a little little extra. Um, but you have the – on the box, the initial release, you have the, the kind of family photo here of the – the guys getting their medals, and you have the rebels in the background. But there's a sticker over over two of the rebels that they are not actually in the pictorial content of the puzzle, just as a warning. And uh, <laughs> the, yeah, uh, the characterizations I here. <laughs> I mean, Ron, you've written some know. some funny stuff on the archive, but describing this one guy as the Space Force Thomas Jefferson—that I don't know—that that that. <laughs> Is my well, Yehuda called those guys Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, which I think that, is pretty much hilarious too. That, that works just as well, man. But well, he yeah. does look like Thomas Jefferson, and, and I don't know. <laughs> the the deal is that they use an uncropped photo on the box, and then the right. puzzle apparently someone with some 
degree of intelligence at Kenner realized that those guys suck and they cut them out of the puzzle, but then someone didn't tell the guy doing the package that they weren't cut out, and so they're standing there, and then so they put a puzzle, I mean, a sticker on the, the early issues of it to say, yeah. hey, these guys aren't actually on the puzzle, so, you know, don't don't decide not to buy it based on these, these two ugly guys standing here because they're not actually in there, but... That just kind of leads to the question, like, who are those guys? And Because I'm 90% sure that if you go to Wikipedia or, like, you know, some... What was the name of that card game that, you know... Oh, the, the, the Decipher old, card game? Yeah, the yeah. Decipher card game. I'm sure those guys have extensive backstories where they're, like, yeah. criminals that have escaped, uh, you know, they're smugglers or something who, who escaped, you know, a, a pornography ring on the in the Celestin <laughs> district or something. You know, these long things that they come up with. Um, so there's probably some interesting story about who those guys are within the Star Wars universe, but, you yeah. know... Uh, obviously, just two extras or something who are standing back there, and both of them are just the these like the most boring looking individuals yeah. you could imagine. Yeah, the guy really does look like he's straight out of the Hall of Presidents at Disneyland, though. <laughs> like he's about to just start, start talking about the history of the rebellion, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, and someone who was really keen on Star Wars licensing. I mean, I I guess I'm pretty good, but you know, maybe Duncan or someone who knows more about other stuff. You know, I don't. Was that photo? I mean, where? How often has that photo been published, and how often was it cropped? Right. Like, yeah. In the movie, are they visible, or, or uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know any of that. Okay, Sky here, doing some work in the editing, trying to find whether or not Thomas Jefferson and Steve Jobs were actually in the movie. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Now, if we look at the throne room scene, right, or the celebration scene, from a distance, it's actually very clear, and you'll see this in the enhanced version, that they are not there at all from the distance shot. So what you have is mostly the people with the helmets and then people with the baseball hats. But you do not have uh, these two guys off to the side. Um, when you actually get closer and you see where Luke is, um, like from behind, you see the first shot of the guy with the mustache, who we will be talking about fairly soon. Um, when you get closer to pictures of C-3PO, you see the guy with the mustache and three other people with hats who look very random. And I don't know if it's just me, but they actually look like they might be Peruvian. Um, I mean, Guatemalan. I don't know. Maybe the scene was actually shot in Guatemala. I forget if this part of the scene shot there no it wasn't i think i'm just reading into it um and then when you look at the famous shot of all of them together first of all uh it's flipped in the puzzle uh in the puzzle chewbacca's on the left but in the movie chewbacca's on the right same thing uh flipped with uh luke han uh leia i mean uh, luke han 3po and uh, r2d2 obviously leia is right in the dead center and you do not see rosencrantz gildenstern space force jefferson anywhere so there's your answer. Maybe they were just in the puzzle. I don't know. Okay, back to the show. That would yeah, be an interesting I, question. I, I would like to put this out there as a general call that anybody who can tell us, like, we need more information about the victory celebration. Hello? Oh, Hello? Sky? Yeah. I'm still here. Uh-oh. Did we lose Sky? No, I'm here. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I think we lost Sky. What? No, you didn't. Sky. What? No, I'm here. Uh-oh. He's killing me, though. I wish he'd just finish his sentence. <laughs> but I'm here. <laughs> a general call, and then it just yeah. dropped out. See, what we don't know is if he's still going on right now. <laughs> I am still yeah. going. 
he's still going. I don't know. I am. Uh, we going all day. You guys still there? You guys still there? Why are you guys making is. fun of me? I can hear you the whole time. You. I. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh. I'm, I'm here. Can you hear me now? Yes. I can. Hear you I can yeah. Yeah. I was talking the whole time. <laughs> Just in the middle of it, you guys are like, "Oh, he's not here." Do you guys like coordinate this? <laughs> Oh boy! Oh, we cut you out like those guys, like Kenner cut those guys out of the yeah, puzzle. Yeah, really, that's it. Well, well, then in that case, uh, what I was saying is, is that um, is what we're talking about. And I might have to go in just to cut this in later so that it's very clear. But is the most interesting puzzle is a 500-piece puzzle that includes a picture of the victory celebration at the end of the movie. Yeah, you all hear, you all hear, yes. you all hear me. Yeah, and and it's this picture that I've never seen ever because we I see it and I think of course I've seen this picture because I've seen the victory celebration but this is the weirdest picture I mean C-3PO is putting his hand on R2-D2 and some weird Wilford Brimley attack on Endor or something dude is behind him he's got like a walrus mustache and then next to him it looks like some like gunnery sergeant and then Luke looks like he's out of focus and he's wearing his yellow jacket and Leia looks kind of stoned and confused. Um, next to her is another person in a hat. Harrison Ford is not here. I mean, he is very no, clearly no. just completely checked out. He isn't posed properly. His shoulders are slooped, sloped slightly down. General Don Dada is right behind there. Uh, another person with a hat. So we have all these anonymous people, and I did look it up on Wikipedia, and none of these people on this dais are there. So how do we find out? And then you have Chewbacca, and then you have these two magical people who, I mean, there's plenty of, of I, don't, I don't understand how this sticker, so the exact quote from the sticker, it's placed over their crotches, and it says, pictorial content of puzzle inside does not include these two characters. <laughs> so great. So what I want, Ron, you know lots of people at Kenner. You have to track this down. Did they ever get a letter from someone saying, I put together this puzzle and I couldn't find these two people. And No one's going to remember that. Man. <laughs> you have to find someone with a super memory for that one, but yeah, I don't know. All right, well then put it out to Fluffy. Maybe Fluffy has that letter in his. I'm in his guessing files. that someone just picked up on it. That we're like, oh, oh, darn, we uh, didn't crop the the image on here. I bet they caught it before it went out, and just rather than make new boxes, they just put that sticker on there. Would be my guess. And then these were made in the oh. states, weren't they? Uh, I don't know. Scott might know. I mean, there's one. Some of them say made in Canada. Like I don't know. Exactly. I, I wouldn't be surprised if... Yeah, it's weird because there's some of the American ones that have manufactured in Canada on them, and then conversely, there's a couple of um, Canadian ones that have made in USA. So it's really <laughs> strange. There must be some relationship with like the Parker USA and Parker Canada that uh, they kind of crossed the border and did work for each other. Huh. Yeah, so... In any event, it's not like it has to go to Hong Kong or China or something. No, no. So these stickers must have just been put on at the factory while they were being put out, I suppose. Yeah. I would but think so. The, yeah. yeah. The weird thing to me is that the, the weird fat guy on the right, the Wizard of Oz looking guy, horse of a different color guy with the weird <laughs> mustaches, he's familiar to me. Like, the, is there 
there might even be an action figure or something of that guy. He was for in all the I know. Uh, he was in the Nirvana cartoon. Oh, okay. Scott later pointed out that this character is in the holiday special as well. So I mean, yeah. I, I'm, just, I'm familiar with that guy. Oh. The two guys on the left, Space Force Thomas Jefferson, and the 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 that'll do pig or whatever the other guy's <laughs> name is. Like he, those two guys are James not Cromwell. familiar to me at all. Like I don't. Oh. Yeah, I I don't remember seeing either of them. Maybe maybe the bald guy, but Thomas Jefferson. That this is the only place I've seen him. No, do you know what they look? Like? They look like they are time travelers from Battlestar Galactica, who just like wandered onto the Star Wars set and were like, oh oh wait a minute, we got to get back to the future because like I mean that guy's hair is just righteous though. Like I yeah. don't know what's going on with that, but it's just very weird. I I. Anyway, someone out there who's a bigger, you know, fan of all this extended universe stuff can probably think, oh, yeah, there's a novel about that guy. And I don't, but I'd be curious to know, like, if he, that guy shows up or either of those guys show up on other products. Uh, yeah, I, I will say now that I think I do need to start a petition to Hasbro to make that guy an action figure <laughs> because I would proudly, proudly, oh, man. I need to get this puzzle. That's that's the other thing I've heard. <laughs> yeah, well, they're not yeah. they're not super rare, and I don't think we've talked about it yet. But the the puzzle was the box was corrected, so <laughs> yeah. um, you can get it either with the sticker and the two, you know, two weird guys in there, or you can get it without the two guys. <laughs> um, so it, well, it obviously was you need it with the two guys. So they they remade <laughs> yeah. it. And so, I mean, so the one with the sticker is not rare. They're they're all. It's not that hard to uh, find. It may be a little rarer, but it's not like it's. It's kind of like the, the the salacious C three PO card where it's. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily rare. It's just kind of everybody knows about it, and it's something people want. So I, you know, I don't. I don't think you're gonna have to search for years or pay a lot of money to get that one with the sticker. Okay. Yeah, because that, that it is. I, absolutely the top of my list of weird things that Ron told me about that I need to buy. Because, <laughs> yeah, these these guys are just great. and and I Every once in a while, someone will turn one up and I'll get an email and it'll be like, hey, I found this prototype of this. Un-. I'm like, no, it's just, that's just an error. You know, it's, it's out there. Uh, Pig and Jefferson. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And then, so yeah, yeah. Another one of the early ones. Should we should we get to the thing that I was teasing, Steve? That's completely uh, nothingness, or should we save that for another episode? <laughs> which which thing? You, you teased a couple things. The, the, the online dating. <laughs> uh, we might as well get to it now. Okay, so so I, I realized that there because as you guys know, I'm I'm, I'm pretty single, um, and I mean eh, not so much right now, but anyways. Um, I've I've done a lot of online dating and I was looking at one of these images that was used on the puzzle and I realize this scene is actually a lot like online dating. And I'm of course talking about what scene do you think I'm talking about, Steve? Uh, let's see, I gotta pull pull up the images here. Uh... <laughs> not the trash compactor. I figured not <laughs> Not Obi Wan versus Dark. Is it the, the R five D four? Yes. It's, yeah, yeah, online dating is a. At lot... least you didn't say the Tuscan Raider riding the Bantha. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I wasn't gonna. No, I had narrowed it down to. I think Fluffy has a story I... about that, but uh, no, um, yeah, because it's like 
you show up and usually the offerings aren't that good. And then there's something you really want, which is like the ability to speak bocce. And like you ask and then they talk about a whole bunch of other stuff that doesn't matter. And then you find the absolute right one and then you go for it and then it absolutely blows up. And then the one that you actually wanted doesn't have a bad motivator and is right there. And you figure, I guess I'll just go for it anyways. And then it kind of works out. Um, but then but, at night it runs away from you and goes into the desert in search of some old man. Uh, that's it. That's it there. That's it. So R5D4 is that girl who you dated maybe once or twice, but then just decided didn't work out on the online dating. <laughs> so I've got a lot of R5D4s in my past and I don't harbor any ill will towards them. I am R5D4 for many women. You know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, okay. <laughs> well, if you uh, like or dislike that, uh, email me at, uh, scottbradley.ca.com. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right, Steve, get us back on track. Uh, well, okay, so how much more do we want to get into before we go for the, the Canadian side of things? There's a, there's a couple more puzzles, but some most of these are, are replicated in the Canadian boxes, but the Canadian ones have a lot that these don't. So uh, is there any other yeah. standouts for, well, for the American versions? Um, yeah, I don't have... I mean, you can read the article. Uh, there's a chart <laughs> that has the little variations and whatnot, so... Yeah. Um, Which is like yeah. the placement of the Kenner logo is different. So if you were trying to put together yeah. a run of the Luke Farm Boy puzzle, uh, you could you could see that okay, there's a there's a blue one, there's a electric mauve, there's a black one without a Kenner logo, there's one with a Kenner logo. Um, so you can see all those things. There's actually another scene of the buying of the droids, right? Um, yeah, which is before the R five D four. That actually kind of looks like uh, Plenty of Fish, which if you guys, oof, that's a bad scene. Yeah, and we talked about, um, yeah, there's the larger sizes, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, it's an extensive line, and some of them, I mean, I don't know how every collector is different, but personally I always wanted them sealed, so I tried to find those. And some of the larger ones can be a little bit tough to find if you're looking for them in sealed condition. Yes. Uh, but so by the end, yeah. It's a good set to try to put together. You know, the Canadian ones, which... I'll let Scott talk about because he's probably more of a expert than I am. But I mean, it, it, it's a line you can. The Canadian ones are rare, but the, the the American ones you can pretty much you know put together the collection without too much ex expense. It's I like them. I think it's it's a cool line, so I would encourage people to to seek those out. Yeah, and this yeah, is, I think the Canadian yeah. ones they're 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 pretty well uh, they're pretty easy to find. Yeah, and before we really get to full full Canada. Um, I mean, the the images, like the image of Luke and Leia about to cross the ravine, I've never seen that image before. Yeah, that one that one stood out to me as something that I don't remember seeing either. Um, okay. it, it's yeah. actually like non-iconic. It's like a non-iconic it's a, it's shot a, it's a, from that scene. Right. It's, um, a, it's, a, it's a secondary, yeah, it'd be on the contact sheet, be the one that they didn't choose for, for the, for the yeah, program. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, maybe. I wouldn't be surprised if, if you search around if it's on some other Kenner product somewhere. But yeah, it's it's certainly different. I mean, it's like it's it, almost like an in-action shot, which usually right. those stills are not like that. 
It, it looks sort of like they're stepping into a disco too, like the way that Luke is stepping in and the the lights from from the Death Star pop out. Um, you mm-hmm. you you definitely correctly note that it's maybe the only vintage item to feature the Bantha. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> right, I mean, what? Oh, well, they they it's called the Banta on there, which <laughs> yeah, right. sounds like yeah. a Bantu tribesman or something. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, that image is on some trading cards and stuff, I think. But I don't know if Kenner at that period. I don't know if they really had any other Banta stuff off the top of my head. Later on, I think they used that on maybe a power of the force map one of those maps mm, yeah but i don't think it's on any of the early products that kenner did off the top of my head anyway and then my my final favorite one is the the image of the stormtrooper in the corridor has always been one of my favorites just because it's yeah. so trippy and weird and and mm-hmm. for some reason they just call it corridor of lights <laughs> <laughs> which if, if that sounds like something I would have done in the gazebo, you know? Like, <laughs> exactly, yeah. I yeah. would not expect there to be an awesome stormtrooper right there. Uh, it's a weird image. I don't know what the... That's a good question for someone like Pete Filmer, too, because I don't know if that was an early marketing image, but I know towards maybe 79, I think Factors has it somewhere on a poster. Yep. Uh, Kenner yeah. used it on, well, Kenner used it on that doll that Steve mentioned earlier, that the large size figure. Yeah. Um, and then it shows up on a Kenner catalog as well. Uh, but it's a composite image, I'm pretty sure. I think that, that's not, like someone somewhere cut out a picture of a stormtrooper and pasted him into that corridor because yeah, yeah. it's odd looking. Right, I uh, but weird, I don't know what the uh, story is. Like in the part where uh, Luke's running down to to get Leah, and he turns around after Han calls him. Uh, isn't that just like a shot from the uh, from the set, and they just kind of drew the uh, the laser in? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You could be right. It's it's weird looking to me. It doesn't look like he's standing on the. It looks like he's correctly. been yeah. He's been added yeah. later. Just I always thought it was like a made image, but maybe I don't know. Someone it's one of the top cards I think has that or eight, but there's just no. Or is the lights? Is the uh, blast in it? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Cause I've seen pictures of it as well, and I was imagining that it was probably taken on set, and then they just uh, kind of drew the the laser blasting. Cause I've seen other photos of it without the laser blast, with him just kind of holding hmm. the, the blaster. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm making a grand declaration, Steve. Okay. I I, I have been the the the, the king of the forty eight bees. I've been known as a Chewbacca collector. I I am now going to make it my goal to collect every single repetition of this bizarre image, because <laughs> you're going to be a corridor of lights focus collector. Yes, I yes. Am. that's it. Because I remember this image like it it's an upsetting image, like the way that it looks. Like it's amazingly like it's like a fractal. It's very centered, you know. Compositionally, it's not that good, but it's yeah, it's bet... almost kaleidoscopic. In yeah, a way. exactly. I yeah. bet that if you had a run of this image in multiple formats, multiple sizes, it would look really cool. So I currently have nothing under my corridor well, light focus, but I I'm I'm going to track them down. This is what you need to do. You need to have two separate rooms, and then you can show people around. You'd be like, this is the museum, and they'll look around, and then you'd be like, and here is, and then you open the door, the corridor of lights, and then people walk in, 
and you'll see all of your items that you've collected on the walls, and then you'll hit a button, and it'll be like music and lights flashing on the walls. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's a plan. So anyways, uh, you, you guys can uh, help me out. Uh, you space freaks listening, help me out. If you see anything, send me an email, scottbradley at canada.com. And... Uh, <laughs> But uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not kidding about this. I'm going to be tracking down the corridor of light images, so th this will be fun. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I think Steve. With that nonsense, uh, we, so to, we talked about online gaming. North. We talked about gazebos. <laughs> uh, I'm just to, looking at my notes of meaningless stuff here. Okay, let's talk about Canada. Steve. Heading north, man. Know yourself. Know your work. My actions being louder than my words. How you so? I've been still so down to earth. I think Scott Scott's gonna take the, the wheel here because this is, this is his territory. <laughs> Similar to what uh, Ron was saying, uh, I don't know if you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, maybe like the, the history of Irwin or just want to jump right into the puzzles. So it, it wasn't Irwin; it was Parker. But is Parker right. and Irwin connected? That's right. So since these were like Kinner products, Irwin. Same with the like the early plush items where. It all seemed to be done by Kenner in the USA. Uh, up here, what uh, the, the contract was with was Irwin, and then Irwin had a um, uh, like kind of a, um, a smaller uh, subsection called uh, Kenner Products Canada, that it essentially was uh, used as a distributor throughout uh, Canada for all uh, Kenner items. But there's some items that Irwin didn't produce themselves, like plush and like the, the games and things like that. Uh, or the puzzles, I guess, is, uh, specifically. So what they did was, like, say, Regal, they contracted out to Regal to do the, the early plush, like the, the Chewbacca, the, uh, the R2-D2, and the Jawa that uh, Kenner USA didn't pick up on, but uh, we, uh, we took on up here. Same with the puzzles. The puzzles, they just contracted out to uh, Parker to, uh, to do them on their behalf. So it's like a Parker item and not a, not a Kenner item. Mm-hmm. So overall, I guess the um, those uh, like the the first years, uh, 77, 78, we had released uh, the in the like in Ron's article they had uh, the 140 piece and the uh, the 500 piece puzzles. And we never ventured past that uh, into 79 with the 1,000 and 1,500 pieces. So we just kind of stopped at the <laughs> 140 and 500s. But then we actually expanded the line on those three exclusive puzzles, the Luke's and C-3PO, the Space Battle. I think it's not Space Battle. It's, uh, was it Space Death Battle? Star. Death Star. Yeah, Death Star and the Stormtroppers. So <laughs> now what's a Stormtropper, Scott? Stormtroppers, the same as a Banta. <laughs> <laughs> Quality control was not so great. It's almost like there you had some guy in Parker saying, "Nah, this puzzle's not, or these, this movie's not going to go anywhere. Nobody's going to really care about this after a, not after a year. You know, who cares about spell checking?" So, uh, yeah, little did we know, forty years later, we are there. We're still collecting these things. But, um, yeah, I think what I imagine may have happened was that Kenner uh, in the U.S. had wanted to expand uh, the 140 and 500 lines, and they elected not to take these, uh, these images and kept going with the, uh, the 1,000 and 1,500 set uh, pieces. But we had actually picked up on those three and said, okay, well, we'll release them as uh, 
like 140s and 500s, but uh, we didn't go beyond those at all for the Star Wars line. The second exclusive one, that was, it's basically, it's the only untitled puzzle in the entire line, which I kind of like. It's just Luke repairing 3PO, and I think Ron Ron says it's the most boring image of all of them, but... (laughs) Yeah... Actually, I, 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 I think the, yeah. the title was on that. It's in the bottom oh. left corner, but it's in black on top oh. of the... Uh, is it? Oh, you know there's what? There's like a little... Uh, it just says Luke C-3PO, I think. Or okay. Luke, oh, yeah. I see it. It's like hard to see. Yeah, you yeah. know what? Another mistake. I, I don't have that one. No, I, it's hard to that. see on that photo. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it says Luke and C-3PO. Yeah, that, that that's pretty okay. hard to find. <laughs> but, um... And then, yeah, the, the third one was the 500, and that's just called Death Star. And it's got this crazy composite image that, you know, yeah. I realized I'd seen it before. Um, and I, the way I recognize it was on a, a Kenner catalog. But uh, that was the only that was the only 500 piece, or, right, that Kenner did? They're yeah, exclusive? Really yeah. 500, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, when then all the Canadian ones were either the blue or the or the purple as well. They didn't do the the black boxes. Is that right? No, I think like for it seemed to what the the persona of Irwin uh, was. They were a real cost uh, saving company, and since we had uh, like lower population in Canada, and then so consequently they wouldn't be making as many uh, uh, of these products in terms of volume. So in order to keep costs low, they just reused the same photo uh, year over year. Mm. So throughout 77 and 78, we didn't update to the, the black and silver, like, Kenner-type design. Uh, yeah. They just kept with the, uh, you know, the the regular blue and the, what was it, hot pink or whatever. Electric move. Thing. Ron <laughs> is really oh, trying to get fun. this off the ground. Electric yeah, move. That's, yeah, that's today. It's like a, a, a new paint that uh, Sherman Williams is going to be uh, selling in the future now. Yeah, so uh, they just kept with those, and then we never uh, never updated the boxes. Okay. Um, should we should we get into the, the, the food tie-in, Sky? No, because obviously it's been too long since I've said something no one cares about. We need to talk about the French on, on these puzzles, Steve. Uh, see, I, I was uh, going to yeah. see if I could get, get by without... No, no, you thought you thought I could go by just because... Because no, no, you, no. you can I... always tell when I'm looking on eBay and when I'm not paying full attention to the show because I was looking on eBay for Empire Strikes Back puzzles and I found one for $4,000 that someone says... Episode five, Empire Strikes Back puzzle with penis. <laughs> and and oh, I've been God. looking at this picture for like three minutes trying to figure out like where's the penis that he's talking about. And if you look at Han's pinky finger, it looks a little penile. But I think this guy is just hoping um, in his description. He says, uh, this is rare. There are probably only a few in existence. So, um, but that's, that's from the modern. So now that I'm I'm back with us, first of all, Ron, Ron, you said that castet means headache. Um, it's... Oh, I don't know. I, I put it into uh, translate, and I got head pain or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it it actually means break head. Like okay. cast is like casse, and then tet is head. So it's like it's like a head breaker, um, almost yeah, like a jawbreaker, but for your your head. And that's what they call jigsaw puzzles in French. That's applicable yeah, for me. Go. Yeah, that's, um, that makes complete sense. Yes. Um, yeah, for, for me, it's uh, boredom, boredom somehow reinforcers. Uh, and then <laughs> another great little piece, just because a lot of the Canadian stuff is great when they have to figure out what to translate and what not to. Mm-hmm. So, like interlocking pieces, they translate as morceaux sans boiton, which is like 
pieces which interlock with each other, but it's just way too literal of a translation and <laughs> frankly humorous. Um, Parker translates the fun and game name to bourgeois et jeu, which means for joy and, and games, but that's fine because you have the alliteration as opposed to rhyming, which is interesting. But then like the, the victory celebration, it just says victory. And it, they don't translate that into French, I assume, because that's close enough to victoire. Space yeah. battle, they don't translate, which seems a little bit weird to me why they wouldn't. Selling of the droids is changed to la vente des droids, which makes sense, because I guess they selling wouldn't work. But the best is the cantina band. Okay. Because cantina isn't really an English word. But no. But they still decided to call it l'orchestre de la taverne. So that's <laughs> the orchestra of the tavern. Um, oh, wow. Which, which I think makes the that... makes them pretty regal. Yeah, I like that. Notice uh, they didn't try to translate stormtroopers. No, they didn't. That's the same in every language. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and same thing, Rebel Base, Lightsaber Duel, uh, Leia, Luke, those weren't translated. So it, it was a pretty uneven uh, amount of things that were translated. I don't know, Scott, if that happens a lot in early items where it's not always uptight or it is or no it's uh that whole translation uh that that law was kind of a loosey-goosey thing i remember kind of if i can just go off on a tangent past the puzzles to the toys i was talking to uh one of the Irwin guys there a number of years ago like asking about this because we found a lot of over the years especially during the jedi era of um, a lot of American products up here, but with, like, Canadian price tags on them. So we said, well, if you've got this law, how could you, you know, push it through? Well, did you not get, the like, a fine or anything like that? And they said, yeah, but the fine was less than the money that we made off of these things. So, yeah, we were, we elected to uh, to kind of take the, uh, the heat, get the little slap on the wrist, but make tons of money over fist there with, uh, with, the, with the English-only stuff. Well, wow, because when exactly was the law passed? Oh, that, uh, the official act, I think that was like late 60s. It didn't come in into, it didn't come into law, I think, until like mid-70s. So it would have been ingrained when, uh, when Star Wars came out. So right. around 74, 73, something like that. Right. So it's, I mean, really right around the time Star Wars comes out is when bilingual yeah. packaging is, is enforced. That's amazing that they yeah. would just break the law and then pay the fine. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, that was, I guess, sort of a real testament to, like, how much of a hit that Star Wars was in Canada. It's like, well, you know, the money that we would put into having, like, to bilingualize everything and go back and re-update everything, you know, just release the English-only package and uh, we'll make more money selling this stuff than it would to cost us to actually make it bilingual. Wow. Okay, well, Steve, if you want to talk about uh, food now, you can. That was, that was a lot more fun and language stuff than I thought. Uh, Scott, Scott got to go. If if I can get a good, if I can get you guys to go on a tangent based on my tangents, we might get one good tangent out of it. So, <laughs> all right. Well, I guess I'll I'll start with Scott. Were you uh, ever chased down by the Alphagetti gobbler by any chance? <laughs> not i never even ate this stuff at all okay <laughs> oh, terrifying well, yeah. what are you this, talking about this... steve okay so so uh there was this product from libby's called alphagetti which is like it's like spaghettios that alphabet style um but they did a, a, a promotion which involved the puzzles but 
before we get to that, Ron included this commercial from 1985 that is just truly terrifying of the yeah, Alpagetti Gobbler, uh, which, I don't know, there's just something so unsettling about him. <laughs> if you want to hang on to your Alpagetti, watch out for the Alpagetti Gobbler. The Alpagetti Gobbler loves to gobble up those delicious little spaghetti letters and wiggly little words. Oh, hey, there he is now. Uh, Gobbledygetti. <laughs> so cheesy and tomatoey and so much fun to eat. <laughs> You're the Alphagetti Gobbler. Oh, me? Hey, kids, now there's new Alphagetti and yummy chicken sauce. Watch out for the Alphagetti Gobbler. Gobbledygetti, gobbledygetti, gobbledygetti. Yeah. <laughs> How did you describe him on? Like a... <laughs> a giant sea anemone? <laughs> That's yeah. what it looks like, like a, like like a, I don't know, some kind of yeah. growth from the bottom of the ocean that's come to life and forced you to eat spaghetti. <laughs> oh God, it's really just. I'm looking at it right now with the sound off, and it's just he's got these like disturbing lips, and his eyes move around, and and uh, yeah, comes into the kitchen and threatens these kids to eat spaghetti. Yeah, and the it's whole like... time they're like smiling as though this is a pleasant experience. <laughs> well, that's the thing that's so creepy about it is like. He's so physically aggressive, but his voice is so welcoming and friendly. <laughs> so cheesy and tomatoey and so much fun to eat. <laughs> so there's something the Discord there just doesn't doesn't work. But, oh uh... man, the '80s were a strange, strange time, my friend. I just don't really who came up with that, but yeah. Um, but yeah, and, so... and also before we even get into that, let's just talk about Alphagetti more, Steve, because okay. first of all, it's like it's like spaghetti. What makes spaghetti spaghetti is its shape. It's right. Like you can't actually have you know spaghettios aren't real either. I mean spaghetti no, is just a stick of pasta. So calling it alphagetti doesn't quite work. <laughs> also, alphagetti sounds like a planet in Star Wars, or actually more like Belsar Galactica. Like, oh, he's located somewhere on Alphagetti. Then... No, it's it's from the Wrath of Khan, <laughs> as I wrote in the article. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, as right. I was writing it, I kept saying, Alpha Getty, like, why does this sound familiar? <laughs> Finally, I figured it out. I was like, that's the, the system or whatever from the Wrath of Khan. Right, SETI Alpha <laughs> versus Alpha Getty. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then the, the final bit was, I actually think it sounds like the great American poet, uh, Lawrence Ferlinghetti. So I, th I, I thought that it was like, anyways, these are all of the, the, the associations I get. I'm still alive, by the way. Almost 100 years old. Okay. Wow. Yeah. All right. So, so, so maybe that Scott is what Alpha... by Ricardo Montalban's bare chest looking at this thing here with this Alpha Getty. But... Yeah. Great. So that was the All show. Right. Good night. No, wait. Do we... So why are we talking about Alpha Getty, Steve? Well, I think I think Scott should should probably tell the the, the full story here because I think he knows the most. But um, yeah. So Scott, what was what the what's the deal with the promotion with with the puzzles and, and Alpha Getty? Yeah, so that was one of the, the few uh, food promotions that we had for that back in 78. Uh, but um, it, as I quoted f uh, Steve Sansweet's uh, article about it in uh, from concept to uh, screen to uh, collectible, uh, apparently when Alpha Getty had, uh, in Canada had uh, pitched the, uh, the promotion, Lucasfilm originally said no. And uh, so the story went was that they tried to convince Lucasfilm to to allow them to uh, to do it because it was a staple of uh, one of the meals that they served at the Six Kids Hospital in uh, Toronto. 
So yeah. they said, okay, well, you can use it, but you will have to put it the promotion on an equal um, uh, type of uh, offering that you have, but that's more like nutritious. So <laughs> I don't know what that one would have been. Uh, I've only ever seen it on like just like the regular Alpha Getty. So they probably just went with the, the bilingual tactic and said, eh, let's we'll just... <laughs> yeah, you know what just... happened, right? <laughs> yeah. what, 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 what? You guys know what happened, right? So, okay, so what... So Ron's going to tell us what happened when Lucasfilm... Okay. Lucasfilm, Lucasfilm saw the Alpha Getty Gobbler and they nixed that thing as soon as they saw that. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. These, these rappers are pretty nice. I mean, they're... You've got the weird gobbler, and he's he's looking and on the side, and then you see a jigsaw, and it says Star Wars jigsaw castet, and on the back they have images of what the puzzles look like and how to get it, and they of course misspell Wookie. I think at this point we should just accept Wookie with one e as an accepted spelling. Yeah, um, a pre a pre like seventy nine spelling. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but um. Yeah. And so, so yeah. So, so there's never been any other soup because. If they demanded that it be on a more healthy soup, and that's never appeared, so it probably never existed. I'm sure it probably did. Uh, like I, I don't think they would try to, you know, tempt uh, Lucasfilm by not doing something like that or like holding up their end of the bargain. I just haven't seen it, and I was never a big uh, like alfagetti eater when I was a kid. <laughs> so I know that our family never bought the stuff. So that's that's probably uh, good. I. Yeah, I've never I've never seen anything other than this particular label. Wow. It's just pretty cool to see a Kenner toy offered on a food product. It's not that many. I mean, the micro collection figures in the mid-80s were offered on C-3PO packages. That's right. It's odd because, oh. uh, like, the modern day, we don't get too many food promotions up here. But back, uh, you know, in the uh, the original trilogy area, especially around uh, the Star Wars era, Canada actually did get a number of different uh, like food-related promotions. One, well, we, you, you, you remember the the Schneiders, uh, um, the the Wieners and the Bacon um, promotion area. Oh yeah, it's on your website. Star Wars I saw collection. that. And then there was another one where. Wait, uh, I don't think we know about this. Or I don't know about yeah. this. I don't know if I know yeah. about that. Yeah. It was on the little um, on the packages of Schneider's. Uh, going off on a tangent again, but Go on for uh, it. Schneider's, it's a meat. Uh, it's a meat um, a producer here in Canada, and on um, their packages of uh, hot dogs and uh, bacon, you, there was uh, these little slips of paper that were folded up on front of the package, or you could have like a little tear-off sheet on uh, the uh, the shelf in the stores. Where you could um, enter for to win a, a, a collection of uh, Star Wars items, so it was kind of neat with regard to what you could win. Um, was uh, you know like an X-wing fighter, uh, the the Tie fighter, but also there were two sets of the the, the original three packs, uh, the villain set and the android set, as well as I think two of the utility belt sets. So. I think um, if you look on uh, on my website under the uh, the food promotions, you'll see the more details on it. But uh, yeah, if those particular items today, those are uh, <laughs> if you had all those original um, items in the, it's, it's an original packaging, uh, it'd be worth a pretty penny today. 
think yeah. it's valued like a hundred bucks. Before the phone got uh, cut off, and basically yeah, what that means uh, is is that there is a Star Wars Collector's Archive for Canada, except it's not the Star Wars Collector's Archive. It's Scott's website, which is such an old website that it was before you could name websites things that made any sense. <laughs> so you're going to want to... It's a very poor uh, comparator to uh, the Star Wars Collector's Archive. <laughs> well, that's not even that good of a website name, to be honest. I mean, it should be like Rebel Scum. Like, that's a, a very clear thing. As opposed to, <laughs> I suppose, like the WCA.S. Yeah. Um, so what's the, what's the best way to find your website, Scott? Just Google Canadian Star Wars Gallery and it'll uh, it'll pop up. Okay, Canadian Star Wars Gallery. But there is yep. one fun fact about Scott Bradley's website, which is the first image that pops up whenever you put in like Kenner and some Star Wars figure is almost always from your website. Did you know that, Scott? No, I had no yeah. idea. It's like, I was looking like, God, I don't want a Canadian version of it. Why is it? Scott? <laughs> yeah. Bradley, Bradley. Um, it's, it's like this weird thing. Is that just me? What have it? you done to bribe Google? Yeah, really. It's a testament <laughs> to how long it's been around. It's so old. Eh? It's just, um, yeah, okay. Here it is. Real, uh, like in some ancient uh, photos from uh, years past. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's uh, awesome. Um, well, Steve, I think that is that it for our, our, our puzzling talk? We've we've talked about all the important stuff, like um, um, Alpha Getty is basically the only thing because if there is a, there is actually I should tell you listeners there is what's called the curse of the Alpha Getty, which is once you've heard of Alpha Getty, the mascot for sp uh, Canadian Spaghettios, you have to tell as many people as you can, or else you will be visited by Alpha Getty in your nightmares. And the Getty Gobbler will, yeah. will be after you. The Getty yeah. Gobbler will come after you. So you now have to tell people. Everybody you know, stop them on the street and tell them about the, the Getty Gobbler. That Gobbledygetty is so cheesy and tomatoey and so much fun to eat. I think those guys who are cut out of the puzzle are probably murdered by the Gobbler. <laughs> that's a, yeah. Or maybe that's what you look like after you finish eating it. That's also a possibility. <laughs> Pretty much. Those frowns. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't have much else on puzzles. I mean, like like I said before, I think it's a fun line to collect in that it's not something that costs a billion dollars. So I think this is a common refrain for me with these things that, you know, that you don't have to just collect action figures which are worth a bazillion dollars or I'm going to buy a hard copy arm for, for $75,000 or whatever. Like you, There's other stuff out there to buy that is interesting and it's not necessarily super expensive. So... If you find those items cool, then you know that you can search them out on eBay or whatever and, and have a good time collecting them. Yeah. And and actually, kind of a, a fun way to go out on this. Um, so, Ron, you know how I'm not great at making plans? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm familiar with that. Absolutely. <laughs> and, well, my life is fairly chaotic and I have, eh, anyways, lots of things to get tricky. But just this might be fun for podcast listeners who like us as, as human beings. But for the first time ever, Stephen B. Danley is setting foot in New York State. Um, and he is going to be visiting Ronderlay. He's going to be visiting Ron's collection um, like later this week. And I'm going to be going there with my kids. And we'll, we'll all be together hanging out at Ron's. 
So oh, wow, we're totally gonna take a picture at that diner. That's what we're gonna do. Yes, sense it coming. We're, we're, and, we're... <laughs> and Scott, if you if you're free, you're welcome to drive on down, man. <laughs> hey, thanks for the invite. Thanks for the invite. Very tempting. Yeah. There's no there's no gazebo nearby, right, Ron? We don't have to. <laughs> but I, I may I may walk um, out with your corridor, your corridor of lights. Yeah. There, there is a Popeye's chicken, which Sky made us walk to once and take a picture in front of for no particular reason. <laughs> that sounds yeah, like right. something he'd do. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, well, well okay. I mean, I appreciate having you know us on. I appreciate Scott, um, Scott contributing because uh, his website's definitely the source for Canadian stuff. So he helped me out with that second piece there, and I appreciate you correcting me on my errors. <laughs> and I just like to say, you guys are the Hall and Oats of Star Wars podcasting. <laughs> oh wow! I call Crockett. Um. <laughs> yeah, those were uh, fantastic articles, Ron. Uh, they were uh, really, really, uh, really interesting. A lot of details that uh, I, I didn't know about the American line. So yeah, it's uh, always a pleasure reading these things. Thanks, Scott. I'm glad you guys got something out of it. Hopefully, other people check it out and. Uh, you know, if you got any other blog topics, Scott, that you want to do, just let me know. We'll get them on there. Always looking for cool blog topics. With that, I'm, I'm going to hit stop because we're supposed to have harsh outros on this, right, Steve? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I gave you fair warning. Beware, beware, beware. Hey. All right, so that was a good conversation. I cut it off abruptly. Um, that's our style with these, yeah. Yeah, that's our style. It was fun mentioning that we're going to be uh, seeing each other. I am going to like awkwardly go in and insert really pedantic intros to certain things, just because uh, yeah. I was trying to do the thing of like circulating the topics more, like mm-hmm. who starts off a topic. But then I realized yeah. like I'm the only one who's like super willing to make it super boring and just describe things really slowly. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, it's it's something, yeah, that I that's in my it's a blind spot for me. So please do. <laughs> okay, um, but yeah, like like we said, we promised we would talk about the archive party a little bit, Steve. Yes. Um, yeah. It's if you've been following the archive, uh, the Facebook pages, you know, we've been putting up pictures, and and I got to see Steve out in L.A. and we'll we'll tell stories of of L.A. And and why the lightning round questions are changed forever. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll be telling that story soon. Um, yeah. But the yeah. main thing is that the archive party is officially set. We have a date. What's the date, Steve? So it's yeah Thursday, April eleventh, traditional opening night of celebration. Right. So what's the four one one, Steve? <laughs> so we got Road no no 24. that's the date. Oh, oh that's right. Yeah. Four four one one. Okay. Yeah yeah so, yeah. yeah, yeah. This is the thing about Star Wars Celebration. If you're thinking, oh, I might have to miss a day of work or whatever, you want to miss it for the archive party. It is the yes. number one reason to miss something. They're going to be extending it to Monday. Forget yep. that last day. You can, nah, nah, nah. You can blow that yeah. off, but you have to yeah. come to the party. Yeah, you so, got to be there Thursday. So, yes. um, yeah, it's, it's at Row 24, which is a, a cool little little uh, old school venue that's uh, just off-site from the convention center. It's a short walk. But uh, it looks like a pretty cool place. They seem like awesome people. So, um, yeah, we got a place. So it's a little underground. It's a little grungy. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's not like the last parties where we are in a hotel, either the official hotel 
We're no, in no ballroom queues. <laughs> yes, no ballroom queues because the prices on those literally doubled. Okay, tripled, almost tripled. Yeah, right. Yeah, getting so, close to triple. Yeah, right. So it, it used to be before that we could uh, raise whatever fifteen thousand dollars, and that would pretty much cover it. Uh, now we'd have to raise basically thirty to cover it, which would mean that most of the ticket sales would have gone to just paying for the damn thing. Right. Um, yeah. So we had to find another option. Jason Thomas is a godsend, and he did yes. a lot of legwork, and he found this place. And it is a ten-minute walk from the venue, and that's kind of a bummer. And you're all sitting, sitting there, saying, "Oh, it's a bummer. It's a ten-minute walk from the venue." Except, it's going to be way better because there's no limits on catering. And the the thing about putting on these parties is, you know, that scene in Big Lebowski, Steve, where uh, you know Donnie dies, and and they're trying to find the the place to put his remains after cremating him. Yes. And, you know, what's the line, you know, just because we're mourning doesn't mean we're saps. It is our most modestly priced receptacle. Uh, well, can we just, uh, They range up to 3000 Uh, we're, uh... <clears throat> can't we just rent it from you? Yeah. So this is a mortuary, not a rental house. We're scattering them. ashes. Look, just because we're bereaved doesn't make us saps. Sir, please lower your voices. Man, don't you have... You know, something uh, else we can put them in, you know. That is our most modestly priced receptacle. Um, <laughs> it, like, they put you over a barrel because they say you can't bring any other food, so you have to get our little shrimp poppers and canapes and mini tacos and sliders and all of this unsatisfying food. And everyone can buy beer and wine for $7 a glass. Because yeah. we're having it a literally 10-minute walk, which the other one, Avenue Q or whatever it was, was a 10-minute was, was yeah, well, walk from a, the convention. From a, exactly, it's just, yeah. It was still a part of the, 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 the convention area, so it didn't feel right. like a walk. Yeah. yeah. With that, we were able to get a place that has an open wine and beer bar. Yes. So... With the price of admission, and we're going to be determining the price soon, um, all the money goes to cats and dogs, so we're going to make it as expensive as we think you guys are willing to pay. Um, uh, should I cut that out, Steve? No, I'm going to leave it in, cheapskates. <laughs> um, uh, like, you get as much wine and beer as you can drink. So, like, build that into your ticket. Build that into yeah. your price because if you were going to right. buy two or three drinks, that was going to be twenty five, thirty bucks. Already exactly, you're saving yeah. that, and then yeah. the food, Steve. I'm not going to contribute a, that a, much to this party except this idea that I had. This this was a a, a major a major win here. <laughs> we are, so we're going to Chicago. So what what kind of food do we have to have? I said, well, let's just get Giordano's deep dish pizza, because, <laughs> and not just a, a few of them, right? <laughs> no, we're getting a hundred pizzas. Okay. <laughs> You are not going to get hungry at our party. 100 United States pizzas. Um, we might even get more than 100. 100 minimum. And for the price of 120 pizzas, will seriously be the same price as those little tiny, like, whatever, scallops. Not even scallops wrapped in bacon. They'd be like, like a Brussels sprout wrapped in bacon or something you sort of like. As much beer. Pigs in a blanket. Yes. As much beer, pizza, and wine as you can drink. 
at this party in a super hip place. So we'll be announcing more with what the events will be. Um, how's it going for the sponsorship, Steve? Great. Um, we got a, an insane response. Um, all the sponsorship spots are, are full. Um, so thank you guys all so much for getting right on it. Uh, it was it was overwhelming, but but in a really good way. So yeah. So the the yeah. first time we struggled to get like twenty sponsors. Like we had right. to, yeah. we had to beg, and it, and it cost like not much. You know, under two hundred dollars the first time I think to be a sponsor. Yeah. And we had to really beg and, and people didn't like the idea because they weren't going to get any money back. It wasn't like other things that you sponsored. There was, there was no guarantee of anything. It was just a truly altruistic thing. And then the next time we raised the price a little bit and had more sponsors the next time a little bit. And then this time it was really a lot of money and 48 people signed up within a day. It was absolutely crazy. So yeah. you guys have been listening to us. I think you know how important the party is. It's the fourth one. I mean, that's a real thing. Uh, and we're, we're keeping it going. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's coming together. Um, yeah. <laughs> always a little bit under the gun, but that's, this is how we do these things. So it is. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're getting, the, we're getting all the themes and we're, we're, we're planning things out and yeah, we, we've got a lot of, a lot of really good ideas. So we will be announcing the tickets uh, when they go on sale in the next couple months. Um, right. So don't feel panicked if you don't have a ticket yeah. yet. Once yeah. again, we're going to do the thing where the more expensive tickets are going to be sold first um, so that the, the cheapskates uh, have a worse chance of getting in. Um, <laughs> it's definitely going to sell out because we have less yeah. availability than last time. That's, and last time, I'd say that's yeah, definitely something that you don't want to slack off on because yeah. – uh, yeah, like we're, it's. Yeah. I don't want to be a jerk, but if I were you, I would be slightly anxious about getting a ticket. <laughs> so, yeah, keep uh, that in mind. All right, well, good. Um, well, we're still not going to have a fancy ending to this, Steve. Except no, to say that no. I, I will see you uh, at, at the end of the week, and hopefully, I'll have edited this by now. But I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we n we never quite know, but uh, no. hey, either way, it's going to work out. So. <laughs> Viens petite fille dans mon comic strip 